interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Here we are chugging through uh, July. You know, I almost feel guilty this week because we, we got the rain and we got the fairly mild temperature and and uh, the grass is growing like it's May and uh, the rest of the country's you know, baking like a potato. And I, and I do feel bad about that, but I am glad that we are getting a, a, some refreshment here. I don't know about you, but, but the lawn, the, the garden, the flowers, it's looking great. And I am so grateful for that. Another thing I'm grateful for today is being joined by uh, a good friend in the studio today, and that would be none other than uh, Pastor Tom Rempel. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing great, Stu. I'm honored to be here. You know, I, you. I would uh, d- ask you, like, what do you want me to refer you to as? But even if you ask me to refer you to something else, it would still be Tom. It would still be Tom. Yep. Is, is that that's okay? What my, that's what my mom called me when I was born, and I'm going to stay with it. Did, it. did she ever call you Thomas when she was mad? No, Tommy came oh. up quite frequently. Ooh, yes, that was yeah. the mad name. Yeah, that was, should have been the affectionate name, but uh-huh. it turned out to be the one. Yeah. So. That, on the flip side of that, I'm going to give away a secret here. Some people through the years have called me Stewie, and uh-huh. uh, let me, and, and which I actually hate. <laughs> I, I really hate that. And but having said that, there are like three exceptions to people who I'll let call me Stewie, and it doesn't bother me, and I don't know why. I think it's because I know they love me, but uh, uh, don't test me by calling me Stewie, okay? All right. I'll stay away you from may, that, Stewie. You can be sure of that. You may or may not make the cut. <laughs> That's it. So you have been, uh, you uh, are in uh, semi-pastoral retirement. You've shifted yeah. job descriptions a little bit here. What's a, what's a typical week look like for uh, Pastor Tom these days? Well, I start the week with a meeting with the MyBridge Momentum team for an hour and a half. And then the rest of the time is basically meeting other young pastors for a cup of coffee, some encouragement, some guidance. Yeah. And I'm doing a lot of pulpit supply. So the rest of the week I spend studying sermons yeah. for new environments. <laughs> Where uh, I know you travel a lot. You, yeah. you doing the pulpit supply. What are some of the places you've... Uh, or cities you've been to this Well, I, I went to Wayne several months, uh, preached up there for several months until mm-hmm. they got a new pastor. I've uh, been back and forth to Holdridge, continued to do that through the month of uh, August, September, mm-hmm. uh, preaching out there. I didn't know, I hate to offend anybody, but I did not know where Tacoma was, mm-hmm. but uh, I got to go up twice to the uh, oldest Baptist church in the state, to Tacoma. Wow. And uh, preach there. So yeah, you hear about Tacoma, but I I couldn't pick it out on the map. What? Yeah, well, you, you go to? you go through Blair. Okay. And then I think there's a little sign that says the end of the world, and you go about ten miles further, and there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. You know, but Blair, I've heard, is just a country mile from Omaha. Well, it is, and you can get yeah. a car there on your way home if yeah, you want that's, to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. There. Um. Uh. Now, you, one of the things you mentioned there, just in passing, you mentioned that you meet with a lot of other young pastors. That yeah. is something, by the way, you've done for decades. Yeah. Uh, yeah what, what, how did that start? You know, it, 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 it really grew out of my ministry in Gothenburg when I was 27, and I was at the Baptist Church, and I had a situation that I had no idea what to do with. Mm-hmm. And uh, the E-Free Church had a, had a new pastor in town, and uh, we had not yet met, but uh, he was older than dirt. He's 54 years old. <laughs> so <laughs> I called him. I said, Pastor Schaefer, you don't know who I am, but uh, I need some help. And uh, he spent seven years 
walking with me. Mm. And then I began uh, to really feel for the pastor that either goes solo or there's just two on the team and they have no fellowship. So I just started reaching out to them and uh, I just started doing a thing called Pastors and Pizza and get a bunch mm. of guys together and just for agenda free, just to encourage one another and mm. remind us that uh, we're complements, not competitors. And mm. uh, we're all here for the sake of the gospel together. Yeah, yeah. That is, by the way, that theme. I want to. That's been a big part of your ministry, my ministry, a yeah. lot of a lot of other friends in ministry. Yeah, has been that theme of of being partners in ministry, not competitors, and uh, that uh, that has been a huge, huge part of what's kept me in the game. Yeah, and I think maybe yeah. uh, and and a good part of what's motivated you through the years too. Yeah, yeah. The hard. I went through some pretty hard times over those years, and. Uh, the team was there uh, every month and uh, encouragement. And yeah, uh, yeah so I, I hope to repeat that. You know, as with Pastor Bill this morning, we were just saying, how do we make sure that the next generation experiences that same delight that we had? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it must, be, I know this, it must be intentional. It has to be. Uh, it, does, it doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. And, uh, and so finding the settings and ways for that to take place is really important. Um, we've gone through, you and I were both a part of a, uh, a pastor's group that has kind of, uh, there's, there's, there's still a, a fragment of it around. <laughs> but, we're still there. But some uh, a death, some retirements, yeah. some health issues, uh, some a, a lot of transitions. Yeah. And uh, and the group that, that uh, actually I wrote my dissertation about, my doctoral dissertation yeah. was based on that group. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost... Almost to the end. It is. It's hard to get everybody together yeah. at the same time. Yeah. It is. So, but it's weird to think of people that we've. It's been the better part of thirty years, yep. though, really, of yeah. uh, of uh, of just having lunch together. Yeah. Uh, what's by the way? What as long as we're talking about it, um, you know, that's a part of what I wrote about in the dissertation was what kept that group going together, and and what. And, and maybe a, a possible clues as to how it could be recreated. Um, but um, in your mind, what was the, uh, this was obviously a part of your DNA from the beginning, but, uh, but in your mind, what were some of the things that kind of helped that group continue to meet for the better part of 30 years? Well, I think without question, everybody at the table wanted everybody else to be successful in their mm. ministry. They, mm. they they knew what they were called to. There really was never a spirit of competition. Mm. Uh, if somebody would have stepped into the room, they couldn't have figured out who pastored the church of hundreds and who pastored the church of fifties. They they were there was mm -hmm. just this common thing and i think just uh, brutal transparency i uh, mm. just we were able to be real and honest in the good and the bad and uh because of that i think there was a bond that was created uh mm -hmm. that was 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 tested on occasion but uh yeah it I, it it was a lifesaver for me when my daughter went through her battle with cancer and lost that and went on to home to be with jesus those guys mm. were there through yeah. the whole journey and yeah. uh I've got some other great stories, fond memories of those times together. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, what we're going to do today, uh, there's a lot of things we could do, and we, I mean, we may change our mind halfway down the road. <laughs> Who knows? But um, I've been on a sabbatical, or I've been visiting a bunch of churches, and I know that you now just always it's been in your DNA to help out, do pulpit supply, yeah. and travel, and different things. And so uh, one of the things that struck me is that, uh, you know, we're both baby boomers. Yeah. Uh, we've... we've uh, both been in the church most of our life, right? Yeah, 
Yep. Or as far as back as I can remember. Well, I was uh, I was one week old when I went to church for the first time. There you go. <laughs> You'd have made a good Presbyterian. Yeah, right. well, there you go. Yeah. That's right. The uh, uh, We've seen that a lot of changes. And a lot of yeah. times, baby, you know, you look around in the good old days and it's like, oh, well, you know, it was so great, you know, way back when. And, was, and, I, and I just thought to process a little bit together of, okay, well, there were some things that were better, maybe, yeah. in the older days. Some things that were worse in the older days, and some things that, as we look, you know, to where things they were and the way they are now, they're just different. I don't know if they're better or worse, but they're different. And I thought it'd be might interesting to uh, for us to process with uh, for our listeners this morning some of those things: the good, mm-hmm. the bad, whatever whatever word you want to use, and just the different. Yeah. And uh, does that sound like something uh, worth talking about? I would like that, yes. Let's do it. We're going to take a first break here. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Tom Rempel, Pastor Tom, old friend, and uh, and a good friend of this program. And I hope you uh, freshen up the coffee and think with us a little bit. I know some of you out there, you kind of like us, you've been going to church your whole life. Some of you really uh, don't darken the door very often, Mm -hmm. if at all. Uh, what would bring you back? Let's think about it this morning. How has the church changed over the course of a baby boomer's life? You are listening to The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday, uh, talking with uh, Pastor Tom Rempel. And uh, Tom, before the break, we're talking about, uh, again, we're a couple of baby boomers. We've grown up in the church. We've seen a lot of changes. And thinking about maybe what's better, what's worse, and what's just different in the life of the church. Um, okay, let's start with the hard stuff for, yeah. first. <laughs> stuff that seems either different or worse as you compare, as you think about you know, the, the church that you grew up in and the way the, the landscape of the church is currently. Wow. Um, I, I think the emphasis on pulpit preaching, platform delivery, mm. uh, the, the world I grew up in, the emphasis was more on the pastor as a shepherd, a mm. care. So uh, if he was not as strong as an orator or whatever, mm-hmm. um, the people came week after week because they cared. Mm. Uh, and uh, in, in those days, I had my first ministry out in Gothenburg, um, I really only had to compete with two preaching voices, and one was Chuck Swindoll, who nobody competes well with, <laughs> yes. and the other was J. Vernon McGee, my beloved. Mm. And uh, if I knew what the two of them had said about a passage of Scripture, I was pretty safe, you know, preaching. And yeah. today, you know, there's multiple voices, and people can get it on every form of uh, mm. download. So uh, that has changed. Mm. Um, the music has changed radically. Uh, mm. In, in that period of time, um, you know, uh, piano, organ, if you had those two instruments and somebody that could hit a few keys on them, mm-hmm. everybody had a hymn book and uh, everybody sang. It, uh, worship in those days was very participatory. Mm. Uh, now, today, sometimes you're saying, am I supposed to be singing or am I just supposed to stand and watch? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's more of a concert format and all yeah. that. So yeah. yeah, those are a few changes. Yeah. They're, uh, speaking of the music, the... Uh... And again, I'm I'm not really hung up on the styles or any of that kind of stuff. I I will say this: I have yet to see a church that didn't have, uh, in terms of a worship band. You know, it used to be a piano, maybe yep. an organ. Yep. 
Um, every church I went to, except maybe one or two, uh, had an acoustic guitar, an electric guitar, yep. a bass guitar, a drummer, and a keyboardist. Yep. Uh, somebody playing a keyboard and maybe an extra singer or two. I mean, it's that's the new organ and yep. and uh, and piano. Yeah, I, I, I'm old enough to remember the first time we used an acoustical guitar in our worship mm-hmm. service in Gothenburg. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my associate uh, yeah. was a guitar player, and uh, we didn't have an organist or pianist that morning, and he used it, and uh, yeah. we got some significant pushback on that at the time. But <laughs> we that, didn't plug it in. Isn't that funny to think back to those things? Yeah. By the way, I would put that in a different category. I don't know whether it's better or worse. It is harder. I mean, it's harder to pull together a band yeah. Than, yeah. It is, than it is just to have one person playing a keyboard. You do, you know, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't schedule rehearsals. No. Yeah, or you don't keeping the rhythm going. Yeah. You know, the metronome kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, if the organist or pianist showed up at least twenty minutes before the congregation, we could go yeah. through the hymns and yep. be ready. Yeah. Yep. That was the, the other thing I would say about the music that I do think this is a little bit worse. Is there is such a proliferation of music? There's so much music. That of all the churches I visited, um, I don't know that I I probably knew maybe five percent of the songs, yeah. uh, and I'm and I mean think about it, okay. And you and I again, we're lifelong Christians yep. who've been yeah. in a variety of churches, who you know we're fairly plugged in, we're fairly tuned yeah. into what's going on out there, and and uh, it was even if I and I'm a singer. I don't know about you, but yeah. uh, you know, I grew up singing yeah. parts, and I can read music and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it was hard to participate because, again, there are no notes; it's on a screen, yeah. and and every church has its own music. There was yeah. no i I did not hear one song repeated yeah. <laughs> in twelve visits to yeah. different churches. Yeah, I think you know things like uh, My Bridge Radio and uh, K Love and that make more songs familiar but then mm-hmm. like you said there's so many selections you know a lot of the churches now have uh, uh successful musicians writing music and introducing mm-hmm. it to their unique congregation so mm-hmm. um, that the creative edges uh, move things forward a bit yeah you know? yeah so i mean yeah, there are opportunities to have, have have a song or some music that yeah. everybody would know but there are so many uh sources yeah and yeah. then, and then you get the you know the web content and and all the different things that are going on out there. It's uh, that was, again, that was a little bit discouraging to me. I, I don't. We, I felt like I felt like you and I growing up. We had kind of a common um, currency of of of, of yeah. hymns and yeah. songs that we probably. I bet we, you know, we we would know each know about eighty percent of the same yeah. ones, right? Yeah. I would say that's true. And I would say anymore that is gone. Well, you know, that's another part of the change is we used to see uh, the songs as teaching good biblical theology mm. and that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it shifted now to where it's more uh, journey songs and more personal testimony and uh, mm-hmm. and teaches less and moves emotion more, uh, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a significant change. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and I and I would say, and that's true. I've I've seen that, and I've uh, I would say this. I was. This was kind of one of the surprises. So here's one of the, I don't know if it's, I'll, I'll say it's one of the good things that I experienced, is that I did, I would say that the vast majority of the music presented was, um, it was uh, not navel-gazing kind of, yeah. you know, a, a Christian experience stuff, but it was it was 
Christ focused, mm, yes, uh, and and uh, and 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 praise focused as yes. opposed to uh, my my personal journey, my experience mm. focused. Now mm. you were okay. We've we can critique this in other churches, <laughs> but you were part of a you know you were the founding pastor of a church for yeah. the better part of three decades. Yeah, uh, how did the music evolve over the over that? Over those years in one place. Yeah, early on we we had three people lead in worship. We had a piano, and then we, you know, added some instruments as we had the room for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, early on, we did a lot of of hymns blended with contemporary worship courses. Mm-hmm. I would say over time we moved less in, from we moved away from the hymns and more into more contemporary. And began to add instruments. I still remember we we used electronic drums kind of over in the side, so nobody quite knew they were there. And then I can still remember the first time Troy said, "What do you think would happen if we actually put real drums on the stage?" And so, well, we could probably get rid of some chairs, and <laughs> <laughs> we won't need them next week. But that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It, it was well received. But I, I would say that I was, and the others. I would say over the three decades, uh, we we worked hard at excellence in preparation. So in the early mm-hmm. days, we're just glad to be together. We're just singing yeah. the hymns. And uh, so we went from where we had volunteer leading the worship and the worship teams to where we had a, a, a music worship pastor yeah. who's responsible to plan uh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things I hear from people uh, who, whatever, they don't like music at someplace else and, and, and they're reporting on it, I've nine times out of ten, the the comment I hear is it's too loud. Yeah, <laughs> it's too loud. Yeah, and uh, and I would just say from my own personal experience, I I, I don't know if I I leave out the word too. I don't I don't know what the measuring stick is of, yeah. of too loud, but I would say it it was pretty loud. Yeah, uh, I would say the one one consistent comment made is that <laughs> the decibels are destroying my hearing. You know, yes. you know, it's it's that's just kind of yeah. consistent. But yes, the. Um, the volume of the support instruments mm-hmm. has definitely increased over yeah. the years. And, uh, and like I said, and there's all, uh, how do you say, not only the volume, uh, but uh, uh, also the uh, participation level, like I said, yeah. has changed. Everybody assumed they were to sing in times past, but now in this movement, you're never quite sure, you know, yeah, because just yeah. the style is a bit different. Yeah. And it, and it takes a while. Usually again, if songs get, they have repeats or verses and you kind of begin to catch on a little bit, yeah. but, uh, but it is, it's not the same as having sheet yeah. music in front of you. Well, I, I love the hymn resets. I'm a big fan, uh, fan of those and uh, some really excellent ones being done. So yeah. we're getting familiar words or phrases or, you yeah. know, somebody like Chris adds a tagline on and claims an old hymn and makes it his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like I do like that, and I see that a lot. Uh, yeah. I think increasing now. Yeah. So that pendulum swinging a little bit more that direction. Yeah, yeah. That would definitely in our in our circles. That's a that's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, taking some uh, some hymns that uh, that again great theology, uh, uh, great uh, rich in, yeah. in in content, but uh, but awkward older tunes yeah. that we may not be familiar with. Um, by the way, we are, uh, we're one of the few churches that, uh, you know, actually put in a pipe organ yep. and, uh, and so again, we do a combination of more, uh, contemporary sounding things and then the, the pipe organ and trying to blend those two things together a little bit. There are certain things that just sound good <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with a big old beast yeah. of a pipe organ. Yeah. 
Uh, when you sing, uh, you know, uh, Mighty Fortress is Our God, you get a... need to crank that up a little notch. You, yeah. you yeah. do. You, do you, you can, I don't know if you yeah. knew this, but with organs, you can turn them up to 11, too. You can do that. Well, that could work. You, you yeah. can skip right past 10 and go right up to 11. <laughs> so that's a... You know, which, by the way, for those of us, uh, you may know this. I'm sure you know this, but the listeners might not know that... Uh, you know, when we say we'll pull out all the stops. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yes, I know what that means. That's yes, a, I do. That's a pipe organ reference. Grab those buttons. Yeah, every one of them, every one of them pipes is going to be humming if yeah. you pull all the stops out because the stops is what controls the pipes. Yeah. And so if you pull out all the stops, that means that that pipe organ is just going to wail. Full blast. So, yeah. yeah. A little... A little uh, little trivia there. Uh, we're going to take another break. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Pastor Tom Rumpel. Glad to have you along on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Pastor Tom Rempel. And we're talking about, again, two baby boomers who've been in the church for, uh, for a long time. And, uh, and about, as we think about, again, the church of, of our youth in the past, uh, what's good, the good, the bad, the different. Uh, maybe, the, uh, maybe good and bad isn't the right term, hmm. but things we, things we like, things we like less. <laughs> <laughs> and then things that are just maybe not good or bad at all, but just different. Um, anything in that category, the different category that you're not ready to say it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's a, but it's different. Well, it, certainly, uh, church facilities have undergone a significant change. I mm. mean, as you know, you just assumed if it went to a church building, mm-hmm. there were going to be pews and, yep. uh, the, the rich churches had padded pews. Everybody else just had <laughs> good old wood, you know, and the sermon got long, you felt it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, then we we got rid of the pews, you know, and we put in individual chairs, and those kind of things. Uh, the church felt like a sanctuary or a place of worship, yeah. and then we removed crosses and that. We tried to make it look more like a converted mall, whether it was or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so those kinds of things have changed. Um, there's there's some drawback to the more traditional historic facilities and, and resources in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they were, I, I'm old enough to remember the, the Jesus movement and uh, the Jesus revolution and the, the rediscovery of spiritual gifts. Mm. And uh, so the emphasis on the church being the body as mm. opposed to just simply the congregation on Sunday, I think mm. that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, those kind of things. Uh, the length of sermons has, has varied. So Hmm. Um, when I started preaching, uh, I followed a guy that preached 15 minute sermonettes for Christianettes. And so I kind of <laughs> stretched it to 30, 45 and finished up, uh, after at the end of a decade, I was probably preaching about 50 minutes and wow. we, we structured the service around that. Now it's going back wherever I get invited to speak. It's more like 35 minutes yeah. and there's, it's rare. So those things are changing across the board. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I uh, I would say the average sermon of that I that I saw it was it was either they're either a thirty five minute sermon or about a fifteen minute sermon, mm. and there wasn't much in between. Yeah, it was uh, it was either either pretty pretty brief and to the point, or a fairly a fairly meaty yeah. uh, thirty five minute sermon. 
which I would call the term we use is expository. And, yeah. and that yeah. was very consistent. Somebody would read a passage of scripture, explain the passage of scripture, mm. and then try to make some application to the congregation in terms of what that scripture might mean for them. Is that a pretty good yeah. description of of what expository preaching yes, is? Yes, I, I think so. It's like it's it's reading out of the scripture rather than reading into it. Yeah. But I think that's not one of the changes. You know, you used the big pulpit up front used to be called the sacred desk. And this was mm. a place where you explained God's word or declared God's word. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, we've gotten rid of that. And it's, it's a lot of the sermons though. They are, they're rooted in scripture are more like life coaching principles and those kind of things. So we've mm-hmm. moved from understanding the interpretation of the text to more quickly move into the application yeah. of it to yeah. the life you're living. Yeah. When you've got 35 minutes, you don't have a lot of time to unpack too deeply and then move to that. So you're kind of feeling the tension. Mm-hmm. And so I see young pastors struggling with those two uh, pressures. Yeah. 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 It is, it is a challenge. And, uh, and, and I would say also the, um, oh, what, like and one other thing in the, in the just different category, I would say about half the churches I went to do not have paper bulletins anymore. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so everything is on, everything's on the screen. So there, you know, you'll have the announcements on the screen and, and and uh, many times I know you you would use the screen during your sermon yep. to kind of highlight uh, 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 points of the sermon. Yeah, that's very very common now. Um, and again, I good bad different. I don't know that it's good or bad. It's just different. Um, did the uh, did you continue to use a paper bulletin or toward the end did you discard that? No, we 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 had hoped to get away from it sooner actually, but COVID kind of accelerated that. You don't want multiple hands touching a piece of paper. Yeah. And uh, so uh, you start putting it online. I, a lot of the churches I'm at, you know, they have a QR. You just you flash your camera on it and you're reading the bulletin on your screen. Yeah. Um, that, that's kind of the latest. The other thing that's changed um, is you used to have the offertory. It's yes. either the choir would sing or whatever, and you'd pass the plates. Yep. And uh, now it's like, here's four ways to give, and yeah. they're electronic or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's different. So actually the act of giving an offering is not necessarily part of the liturgy, the thing mm-hmm. in, in most churches I've been to yes. that's changed. That That is, uh, we still struggle with that because we do believe that giving is an act of worship. Yeah. and uh, And so the idea of of making it a part of the service, we again, we just have... Like like what you and others have done, you know, kind of a moment for giving. Hey, here are the four ways to give, and yep. and remember one key uh, reminder about giving from yeah. the Bible, you know. Yeah. And uh, but it is, um, yeah. Again, and I'm not. I I'm really not sure. Better, or worse, but it's definitely different. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It. It. You know, when when faith started, it, we were we were more concerned about God's validation. Is you know, it, if this is of God, He'll provide what we need. So mm-hmm. we went with the offering box from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, the the danger of that is you almost get arrogant because it's like we don't ask people for money and God still brings money. You know, mm-hmm. but you you lose that sense of I give as an act of worship and, yeah. or reminder of that because there's no place in the gathering to remind people of why we do that. So uh, those those things have changed. Like I said, it's pretty consistent wherever I've been preaching uh, that uh, they use giving in a different format. Only yeah. two of them still pass offerings. Yeah, yeah. One one other thing that I would say is uh, I'll put in the different category. And uh, when I was uh, 
when I was a kid, you, you got dressed up for church. I was going to mention that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that was, and I was told, you know, well, if you, hey, if you went to see the president of the That's United right. States, you would dress up, right? And you're going to meet with God. And so you dress That's up. Right. Um, but I think there's a counter uh, theological argument for, um, for just come as you are, yeah. right? How would you, what's, what's the counter argument of the, of the come as you are because God loves you as you are? Well, uh, yeah, I, I go to websites just to kind of get an idea of what, what I'm going into. And almost all of them say, you know, we just want you to dress casual or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that <laughs> I, I don't quite how to put it other than I, I tend to think that we dress appropriately, but it doesn't mean a tie and, you know, shirt and yeah. jacket and all that. Yeah. But that I, it's clear that I'm going to some place that's a bit special, but that's yeah. not... Yeah, characteristic. But uh, you know, we appreciate uh, you know Chuck Smith and the Jesus movement. Kind of like sandals and you know, yeah. bibbed overalls were okay. Yeah, we, because we came to meet with Jesus and He takes us as we are. So, yeah. where the the argument for why I should not dress up seems justified. On mm-hmm. the flip side, the fact that we are in the presence of a holy God and mm-hmm. the Old Testament man, when they were going to the temple, the priest had to make sure that every part of it. So. Yeah, I'm growing up, I'm a preacher's kid in, in uh, Cozad, and my friends are always like, so when you grow up, you're going to wear the robe? You know, and I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, my dad always preached in a suit. Yeah, so I hadn't yeah. been to a church where the pastor had a robe. I didn't yeah. know what they were talking about. Now I get it, you know. Uh, but rare is the place where anybody wears a robe anymore, yeah. so or a suit, as that goes. So. Yeah. No, I've, yeah. Seen, I've seen in 12 visits two robes. Okay. And uh, they were both, again— uh, churches that would break a lot of the norms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in a uh, in a in a tradition that's not not my tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, one last break. When we come back, we'll do a little shameless plug, and then uh, we'll we'll wrap this conversation up. Uh, it's good to have uh, my brother Tom Rempel here. Good to have you along on a friendly fire Saturday. It's fourteen hundred ninety nine three, KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here talking with Pastor Tom Rempel. And uh, Pastor Tom, it is the uh, part of the program where we uh, always do a shameless plug. I don't know if you got anything you want to plug today or not. Well, I do have something that's on my heart. And that is, you know, the, the post-COVID, uh, churches that didn't even ever live stream started live streaming mm. and which has encouraged people to not make the gathering as important. Yes. So my shameless plug would be take your family to the gathering and uh, you're setting, you're setting a model for your children. And also your brothers and sisters need you. Even if you don't sense you need them, they mm-hmm. need to be reminded that we're, we're on this team together. And yeah. uh, so anyway, my shameless plug is, is to find a great Bible teaching church and take your family there on Sunday. And I'll say a big amen to that. And let me just add to that, that uh, in the, uh, uh, the uh, in this opportunity I've had during a break to, to visit a bunch of, a ton of other churches and I'll even a few more before it's over. And uh, I just want to say there are a lot of solid yes. Bible teaching uh, churches out there. They will teach you to love Jesus, to love yep. your neighbor. Uh, they will teach you the gospel of the cross of Christ, yep. his death, resurrection, and uh and ascension and uh and his reign and rule today in the world and uh i 
I, I just it's super encouraging. Yeah, I, I, you know, having been in Lincoln almost forty years, I I've always been a student of the churches. I started looking at Lincoln churches even when I was pastoring out in Platte Valley, and uh, people will say, oh, "I'm looking for a church," and the consumer. Mm-hmm. Then I say, so tell me exactly what you're looking for, and I think I can give you some direction, you know, because mm-hmm. there are wonderful yeah. options that uh, if, if there's a particular way that you feel you fit best, yeah. I, yeah. I think I can guide you there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, I, I would say the other thing, I've been impressed by the friendliness of the congregations I've gone to. Yeah. Well, I'm a guy walking in, you know, uh, they don't know me, you know, and, and uh, but I've... Almost every church, uh, um, you're being greeted at the door with a yep. smile. Your people are there to be helpful, yep. uh, and I don't care if the church is large or small. Yep. It's uh, it's uh, I think you know, uh, the, some of the largest churches are extremely friendly. Yep. Uh, some of the small churches, uh, again, they they they're like a family, and and but they're looking to add to the family. Yeah, we call that the Walmart factor. We've learned well to greet the, people as they come. That's right. And thank right. them when they leave. The Walmart factor. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all right. Back to uh, good, bad, different. Hmm. Anything else that you think about when you think about, again, the church we grew up with and the church uh, today? Um, anything uh, uh, you mentioned? You mentioned liturgy and sermon yeah. length. And, yeah. uh, and so we talked about singing a little bit. Um do you feel like the uh, you know the the depth of teaching is is similar better worse i did, the world i grew up in uh in depth verse by verse open the book put your nose in the page your finger on it mm-hmm. is i i think it's in many situations it is less intense and serious there mm-hmm. there are some rare occasions but yeah. uh but i i think it's the attention span of people Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they're just used to little snippets and clips and, uh, mm-hmm. and now, now you got reels and, uh, all TikTok and all that. And yeah. the, the communicator of the scripture is communicating into a world where people are just like, I, I'm going to drive through the bank. I don't want to talk to anybody. I hit a screen. Yeah. They give me what I want. So yeah, it is, it is changing and yeah. that's not good. I think, I think we, um, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to be mature in Christ when you're ignorant of his book. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, okay, this is another thing that was a part of my experience is that you, as a youngster, you got your own Bible yep, and yep. you brought your Bible. Yep. And so everybody, everybody in the family had yeah. their, their own yep. Bible and they were, and you were trying, you were learning to find the, the, the chapters and verses of the Bible. You were learning to read alongside You were, And, uh, and once in a while, if you got really brave and it's, even though it's a holy book, you might you might write a note in the I'd margin note or the something, margin. <laughs> and then remember that you were using the pew Bible. Not your yeah. Own. Yeah. You... But yeah, the, you know, having a pew Bible was yeah. there. So you know, it's mm-hmm. like a lot of the places where I preach, yeah. they want to know what scriptures I'm on, and they put it on the screen. Yeah. So you don't yeah. have to bring a Bible, or yeah, yeah, you say, well, turn in your Bible. It used to be it sounded like a whirlwind went through the place, and now it's like. Psh! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then of course you, you could turn on your Bible, yeah. so you've got the screen, yeah. and you can always tell is somebody following along to the text, or did they just go to Facebook because they're <laughs> they're smiling or giggling, and there's nothing funny being said. You go, okay, they just went from the Bible to something else. So, yes. Yeah, that's a different and thing, they, and we hope they remember to turn off the sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the, okay, that is another difference, by the way. Preaching, I was uh, I was at a church, and again, I'm not naming any any churches, but <laughs> and it was. Um, 
the, it was actually an excellent sermon, and um, and it was a it was a family friendly church. Okay, yep. which I which yep. I admire as well. So I admire both of these things. It was an in depth, longer sermon. It was a family friendly church. But I will say this: usually, when I'm the guy standing up front, I, I'm able to preach and tune out the yep. kids. Yep. I mean, the noise of kids was nonstop, yep. and it was very. It would take me a while to get used to that. Yeah. Um, is that a? Is that a? That seems to me again. When I was a kid, you were quiet. Yeah. If you weren't, I remember more than once my dad would take me out and <laughs> give me a little striking right. because I was. I, yeah, I needed to learn yeah. to be quiet in church, and it was. I mean, I, and again, let the little children come," said yeah. Jesus, and I and I want them to be there. But boy, oh boy, it was. Uh, we're not used to that, are we? No, I I, th- I think there is. Uh, I, again, I think perhaps it's just in a self-centered kind of environment. But the fact that my child might be interfering with somebody else's worship, whatever, does cross my mind. Well, they can just get over it, you know. Mm-hmm. So you want the kids there, but I think on the other hand, we we usually had children's activities during the gathering, mm-hmm. and when they do come in, it's an unusual place for them. They're not used to being there. They don't know how to yeah. behave. But the other was, yeah, is a um, you you usually got to go out in the back of the church and get talked to the first time, hopefully, <laughs> you know. And yeah. uh, so for for our wives, you know, they yeah. they had our children by themselves while we're up yes. doing the holy man of God thing. God bless them. And they God had to, they had to learn worship and raise the kids. Yes, and yet, yeah. So that it has changed. You you'll find a whole lot more. Um, what always. There's just a lot more going on yes. in the congregation yes. than yeah. we grew up with, yeah, for sure. Yeah. By, and by the way, I want my congregation to know is that I, I want us to be family friendly. And I and actually, I'm used to it when I'm preaching, tuning yep. things out. It's when I'm not preaching that I'm kind of, it's a little bit harder. By the way, funny story. Somebody from the church uh, was <laughs> sitting behind my wife and, and the three kids, this was years ago, and was just sitting there thinking, oh, this poor single mother who, you know, obviously has a deadbeat husband somewhere and he's not. And then, of course, she introduced herself after the service. You know, she's the pastor's wife. And, uh, and that, but that is how our, yeah. our wives, yeah. our wives suffer while we're yeah. doing our thing, don't they? Yeah. But the, the, the upside of the children's voices is in the churches where there are no children's voices, there's no future. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're, they're headed hospice. Uh, yeah. as a church so yes. you, you do want to hear that but it's different yeah. and uh yeah it, it is and i and, and again i i need to be very careful about this because by golly we love we love yeah. the children that's right we want the families uh and while i'm preaching i i could care less but i'm it is it is different yeah. for me you know being an observer uh what that's like and so i had to kind of adjust to that yeah. um where, where you, by the way, you now do pulpit supply from time to time. Yeah. How would a person contact you if they said, I want Tom to come to my church? Well, they could probably just send me an email and I could <laughs> tell them, or, yeah, just, just call me. I'm happy to. Nice. So, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a fill in this Sunday because uh, the pastor and his right hand guy are on vacation and they're. Pastor Emeritus is on vacation, and the deacon or the elder was supposed to preach, got sick, and mm-hmm. was like, uh, can you do it? So, yeah, I'm available. Uh, have Bible, we'll travel. By the way, this is one <laughs> thing, uh, folks, this is one thing pastors always say to one another, and that is, what you preaching on? What you preaching on? This Sunday, I'm going to do Luke chapter 15. Uh, and which is? I'm going to try to get it right. It's the, it's the trilogy parables, 
And uh, I always preached it in three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Mm. And suddenly I'm reading it going, and Jesus spoke to them this parable singular. So mm. it's it's one parable, three parts. So anyway, we'll unpack mm. that on Sunday morning. Yeah. Ooh, so. see? Now that's the, and the, the parable of the lost son, otherwise known as? Yeah, the prodigal. The prodigal son. Yeah. Which, uh, uh, it's funny, Tim Keller argues that that should be, uh, either he wrote a book called Prodigal God. Yep. yep. Uh, God is reckless in His grace yep. toward that son, and then there's also the problem of the uh, of the older uh, brother. The punchline of the parable has always been to the to the prodigal brother, "Come home, the father's waiting for you." And we mm-hmm. would use it evangelistically, mm-hmm. but the reality is, is the son that's feet never left the farm was further from the father than the one who ran mm-hmm. away came back. So it's like, yeah. wow. Didn't see that twist for a long time. No, that's a good that's a good yeah. twist. Man, we are out of time. Thank <laughs> you for coming in today to have a conversation with me today. That's I, been fun. Thanks. Oh, I appreciate it, Tom. And uh, uh, by the way, if, if you need Tom's email, just ask me and I'll shoot it to you. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, he continues to be a blessing to a lot of young pastors. And uh, we, need, we need a lot more uh, Toms out there because, uh, again, a lot of young men and women who are serving Jesus, who need to have, uh, they need guidance. And so uh, we, uh, we're we uh, grateful for guys like you to do that, Tom. Thank you, brother. You bet. I leave you saying, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week. Hello.